Hello and welcome to Ethical Seduction, your sex and relationship podcast where we explore topics and skills designed to help you get what you want, both in and out of the bedroom. Tonight's show, Ava is going to talk about love languages. This is uh, most. This is coming mainly from Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, and it's a series that he has. And to be honest, uh, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about the whole topic. If I if I think it's how accurate I think it is. And so that was one of the things that we were discussing and I thought it would be a really good thing to bring on to the show and kind of go through it. And I think everybody's a fan of the love languages except for me. So they're probably going to gang up on me. Um, tonight I have the, the three of us, Kimberly, my wife. Hello. And Ava. Hello, fellow human beings. <laughs> and Brandy. Hi. And, and I'm, and I'm Steven. Um, and so we've been doing this the last couple of weeks where I say like, has anybody done anything interesting? And it has quickly turned into like my favorite question because you guys always surprise me. So don't let me down this week. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> hey, I think something, well, I think it's, it's not really super interesting, but it was. We well, have to tell us now. Okay. So it was slightly devastating, but then it was all worked out and it was like great customer service on their part. So for one of my Christmas gifts this year, I asked for a Lego kitty, like in the pose of my current cat that I'm obsessed with. And you can get these little kits online of your cat breed. And you know, you choose four different poses, whichever one. And I put her together this week I got all the way up to the whiskers in the face realized I was out of a whole like pack of the light gray that I need so I couldn't finish my Lego kitty which was slightly devastating because that was my goal and so I emailed the company and said hey I just I can't finish out her face I just need some more of the light gray and they said you let us know whatever you need and we will get it to you ASAP and I thought that that was just great customer service they didn't ask for my order number or like when the purchase date was you know they were just like we're so sorry let us know what we need to replace they and didn't tell you that that you were doing it wrong like no you did it wrong you're supposed yeah. to use these other pieces no none of that they were, i was like this is amazing it was the best so far customer service experience i've had in something like that that's so awesome. what, I, what i heard you say was that you built a lego pussy I did. I, I sure did. I can't wait. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I, that's where I just stuck. And if you said other stuff, I didn't hear it. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. This one is. Of course, that's what Stephen heard. Yeah. Right, right. I'm sure they make those those models as well. For <laughs> I'm sure there's some shot for that. Um, now I want to. <laughs> Google search right now. Anyway, there you go. That's what I did. Anybody, anybody, else, anybody else interesting? I literally read the entire Five Love Languages book earlier today in preparation mm. for our talk tonight. So that, is that was my highlight. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Wow. Well, let's jump into tonight. Ava, I will turn it over to you because you're going to kind of lead us on the, the whole love language thing. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Let's jump right in. Um, the first thing that I wanted to kind of talk about is just what what is love and, and what are love languages and just kind of preface our conversation with that a little bit. Um, and so a love language, for those of you that don't know, is a way that a person expresses, uh, excuse me, experiences love or affection. Um, and this concept, as Stephen mentioned, has become largely popular by author Gary Chapman, who wrote the book, The Five Love Languages. Um, he's also parsed that love languages based on certain demographics. So love languages for children, for teens, for couples or for singles or for like military families. Like there's a whole series of these books out now. 
Um, but so in essence, like there is said to be five primary love languages out there. Uh, so words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service and physical touch. And I know, Stephen, you mentioned that you were a little skeptical about our topic today. Um, and I just, I, I like, I'm ready, like fight me. Like I'm ready for it. I would love to hear what your skepticism is. We need the sound. We need the ding, ding, ding. I was going to listen yeah. to you go through things more. Oh, okay. Because I, because you might teach me something. And so I was going to like, yes, I, I'm got my skeptical hat on. Okay. But I was going to listen to you describe it all in case I like was misunderstanding something or. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. Um, where, I guess, let me ask you this. Where do you feel that your skepticism is coming from? Like your initial reaction of like distrusting the the concept, like where do you feel like it's coming from? So I listen to podcasts. I don't just do this, but it's like I listen to podcasts. And I have, there's one in particular, it's like a science podcast that I've listened to for like 10 years now. And one of the things they try to do on there is talk about like what is real and what is not. And a lot of times it's like, it comes in and the issue is kind of complex. Okay. So on that show, I just remember him making some kind of comment about like, yeah, you know, the love languages. It's like everybody knows it, but, um, I'm going to say like, how accurate are they? How, you know, are they real? Mm -hmm. So, so I, that's where, I, that's where, so I did do some research, which I will share with you because I wanted to sit like to, on getting ready for this. I really didn't know, like I just heard that comment. And so that just kind of put this like red flag in my, in my head. And so I wasn't exactly sure. So I did do some research on the topic. And so Stephen, I kind have of, you ever taken the quiz, the actual love languages quiz? No. Oh. And no, he won't he won't oh. tell me what his love language oh. is. No, well, are you scared to find out your own love? I'm not language? scared. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not scared. <laughs> no, but you know, before this, I do know like the five love languages because I mean I've heard you all talk about them so much, right? So I've kind of and then Kimberly goes, Well, which one are you? Which one are you? Huh? Which are you? You know, and then Kimberly goes, Do you know I'm the touch one? That's mine, you know. And I'm like, Yes, I do know that that's your <laughs> love language. But as far as my as far as my own, I've I forget what are they? Touch, words of affirmation, um, gift, quality time, giving, quality time, and acts and of service. Acts of service. <clears throat> so, just without taking a quiz, uh, you know, which one of those is most appealing to me? And do I think describes me? I'm I'm not exactly sure. So I don't know if I'm like a bit of a blend, which that would make sense to me because I don't think you know we're not all like one thing and that's it. But I don't I don't know that anything jumps out at me as, as definitely me. So maybe yeah, I need what to What would you say if you had to guess what his love language was since he's not taking the quiz? I think, I feel like quality time. Maybe. I, I was going to say acts of service because he always or gives such like great like feedback and communication and checking in and stuff. But I don't, I don't get a lot of quality time with you, Stephen. That's totally Kimberly. I would say acts of service too. See, I would say like, and I was thinking about this earlier. It's like, I really value relationships. Okay. So if I die tomorrow, I would have to say like, I, I have, I feel like I have really good relationships with, with, with Kimberly and my kids and things like that. And so like, if I was to die tomorrow, like, 
you know, what would I be missing or whatever? It's like, I would, I would be pretty happy. I'd be like, man, that sucks that I'm dead now, you know, but you know, I had these really good relationships and that was like, I'm going to say good quality of life. So in my mind, I kind of equate like your relationships, how, how good they are with those around you, family and friends and all that is like sort of a quality of life kind of thing. So I do value the relationships very well. And I feel like that is, that's not a love language exactly, but I, that could that's be acts of service to. that you're doing to make those relationships so good. But anyway. Yeah, but I don't, maybe I, I'm just okay. honestly, just not really sure which one is mine. Okay. So maybe okay. I just need to take a test because I do feel like it's like, yeah, they're all sort of important. Um, in different ways. And, and I do know like touch, touch is probably not it. I love the touch, you know, but it's, it's like, I look at Kimberly and man, she, that's, you know, she's like, Hey, do you want to touch, touch whore? Yes. <laughs> and so that matters, that matters a lot to her. Okay. So that one is not as strong in me as it is in her, but the other ones, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm sort of a, a bit of a blend and, uh, Anyway, I'll, I'll save the rest. Like I, I do, maybe we can come back to this at the end because like when I tell you what I kind of found when I researched my skepticism stuff, uh, maybe it ties back in with, with how I feel, I guess. Okay. I will say the one thing that I want to say in regards to, to you, Stephen, or to anybody else that feels any amount of skepticism about these five love languages, I would say that, you know, this, this book isn't, it's not the Bible, right? It's, it should not, it shouldn't be anybody's Bible. It is a set of tools um, that you can put in your toolkit for how to like work on improving your relationship with other human beings in the world, like primarily romantic relationships. Right. And so I would say that like, as far as say like science behind, like, is this real? Is it an actual thing? Like, does it actually work? It might work if your problem happens to be rooted in something that falls under these five categories. Right. But you know, we're human beings, we're complex individuals. And like this may or may not cover everything out there. Does it cover everything out there? I kind of doubt it. We're a little too complicated for that, don't you think? But that's just, that's my two cents about skepticism. Like it, it may not be real scientifically per se, but this is a great set of tools to put in your toolkit when it comes to improving your relationships. Yeah, And that's, that's how I've kind of felt like looking at it, you know, I, so that's where I want to see where you go with the whole thing, but I think that's yeah. what it ended up being. Okay, cool. Uh, okay. So we talked a little bit about what love languages are. I also want to touch on like, what is love? That might seem like a really dumb question, but we're going to talk about ooh. it anyway. Oh, pick me. Steven, what's love? Okay. So I, I just have to, I'm sorry to interrupt again. Um, I, like I've thought about this like, and it, but it bothered me for like a full year where I was like, I was on to something of thinking like love is neediness, right? It's like, and there's this connection. And I was like, well, that's not exactly it. Like it was an unfinished thought, right? It took me a whole year. Okay. But at the end, the way I think of love, okay, is love is not like this magical thing. Like doo -doo 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 -doo, I'm sending, oh, I give you all my love, my kids, my undying love. Like I, it's not that, like, I, I don't think it's that. Okay. So I was like, what exactly is it? And so in the end, I do feel like it's a little bit of, I'm going to say related to neediness, but in a healthier way. Okay. So it's like with say Kimberly and I, if I'm saying like, I love you, what I'm saying, what I envision saying is like, I admit to myself and you that you are really important to me, you know, like sort of like I, I need and want you in my life is sort of what I'm saying. Like, I love you. I, you're really important. You have a lot of, um, I don't want to say power, but like power influence, all that kind of stuff over me. So it's like love sort of is me saying like, like, I need you. Oh my God. <laughs> like I, I'm sorry. She's Kimberly's over here making these faces. 
Uh, but it's my, it's me saying like you're really important. I'm like, yeah. Well, and it is. So I think that's what the love is: is when you're admitting like, oh, like I'm really feeling this. Like I, this person's really important in my life. I need them in my life. That you know. So it's if it goes too far, it's needy. If it's healthy, it's like hopefully both people are on the same sort of level or close to it, where it's it really is kind of mutual. And I think then it feels good when it's out of whack and one person really needs the other person the other one doesn't it's like that's where it gets weird and that's when it's you know that's when it's stalker time because somebody's overkilling the neediness and things i think you bring up a really good point about the the neediness and and how intense it is if it's like a healthy level or not steven um i remember reading through this book literally hours ago earlier today um he he talks about um the controversy around what our like basic human like fundamental needs are and how that's a little bit debatable that that love could be one of our our just human like emotional needs right um but he does talk about how love can be a factor um it can influence other things that are acknowledged as human needs and i don't remember what the three needs are that he he quoted but one of them was um security and I want to say the other was, uh, shoot, what was it? I'm totally blanking. There were like three needs that he's like, these are fundamental human needs. We all need security. Um, we all need, I think one was like validation. And I'm blanking on what the third one was. But all the all the examples that he brought up in that, he's like, love can influence all of these things. They might not be the core solution, but they, they have influence over all of these things. And so thinking of love and acknowledging love as, a basic emotional need for every human being out there, I think makes a lot of sense in that like humans are just, we, we are literally built for connection. Like we automatically by nature crave connection. And so it's not a far stretch to say that like some form of love needs to be better fulfilled. That is one of our basic human emotional needs that applies to all of us. We're a social species of animals, you know, oh, yeah. like, and that's what, what I think is, is really cool is it's like, we're not selfish of like, Oh, I'm, I'm only going to like, you know, the, the reason we run into the fire to go save somebody else is because we are a social species and we do feel that like, that's how strong that, that drive is to like help each other because we're going to, we have our chances of survival and all that are, are much better if we work as a group and help each other. Then the loner who helps nobody, that person dies off fast, you know, because they're not helping anybody and they don't really have any support group. So it's like, I, you know, I feel there's, there is a really strong connection there to help people. And that ties into security, right? Like when you help yeah. others and others help you, there's a layer of security there that if you break your leg tomorrow, these people are going to like have your back because you have theirs. Like there's security in that. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah, totally. Okay. Um, let's back up for a second. You guys keep trying to like dive in head first and like, wait, no, I want to talk about this thing first. Um, so, okay. So before we jump into the different types of love languages, we're going to talk about um, why these love languages are important in the first place. Um, and I just want to say, like, there are many different types of love out there, right? Like, we love our partners, but we also love our kids and our parents and siblings and our friends. Um, we love our hobbies, whether that's like football or biking or gardening or dancing or bowling. Uh, we love food, whether that's, you know, for me, it's like sushi or like steak and eggs, right? Like, um, there's, there's different types of food out there that we love or different activities that we love and different people that we love. And so for the purpose of today's conversation, I want to focus specifically on romantic love, love for your partner. Um, and I want to kind of classify it into two different categories. One category of that romantic love is 
Um, the, the author refers to this in the book as the in love experience, which I take as to be like, I would call it new relationship energy, or some people would call it like the honeymoon phase. I have a friend that calls it like the cupcake phase. Um, mm -hmm. But so basically that like initial like head over heels rush of this kind of like euphoric state of mind where you're basically totally obsessed with this person, right? And everything else in the world becomes a little bit less important. Like all these other priorities that you have, um, take a little bit of a step back because you have this sort of like on, on some level, this obsession with another human being that you are just so into them and they're so amazing and they make your heart so happy. Um, and so sometimes like we, we can make decisions differently in that state because there is this new person in our lives that has gone, gone to the top of our, our priority list. Right. Um, and so many people out there kind of set the, the mark about, oh, this is what love is. This is what I want to have all the time. This is what I want to have with this person for the rest of my life. And the issue with that is the in love experience is not sustainable. Um, it's literally, it's euphoric. Like nobody stays in a euphoric state of mind for the rest of their lives, right? Like that's not a thing. Um, and the, the thing of it is, is, uh, Dr. Chapman calls us out that the in love experience generally dies out within about two years, maybe a little bit longer for certain people, but it's usually within the first couple of years that that in love experience with that new relationship energy really dies down. And then folks are left thinking like, where, where is this head over heels, high that I had, it's not there anymore. Does that mean that I'm not in love anymore? Does that mean I don't love this person or that they don't love me? And we feel a little bit lost. And so the issue is that we have trouble transitioning into what I like to call is just love that meets our emotional needs, just in general, right? Um, the in love experience is one way that, that we can have love that meets our emotional needs, uh, but it's not the only way and it's not a sustainable way. It's a temporary state of mind that's not going to last forever. And so the, I think where these love languages really come into play is teaching us how to maintain love with our partner after that in love experience or after that new relationship energy kind of dies off because it's going to happen inevitably at some point. That that's in essence, everything that I wanted to talk about before we actually got into like the different love languages. Um, so yeah, so let's dive right in then. Let's talk about the different love languages. The first one on the dock is going to be words of affirmation, which is basically verbal affection or encouragement. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways or types of verbal affirmation that you can provide to your partner that could look like something as simple as compliments. Like, oh, you look really nice today. You look good in that suit. Oh, I like you in that dress. Oh, your hair looks amazing. That kind of thing. Um, it could also be expressing appreciation, uh, which could be you know, thank you so much for picking up the kids from school or thank you so much for taking care of dinner or, you know, thank you so much for your support. Just some kind of affirming statement, encouraging or expressing appreciation about something that your partner did or does or is. Um, let me see here. Uh, I kind of got ahead of myself. So there's a difference between expressing appreciation and expressing encouragement. So to express encouragement could be, I think the example they used in the book was there was a wife that really enjoyed writing and she submitted an article that she wrote to a magazine and it was rejected. And then she like didn't write anymore and they just went along with their lives. And then like 20 years down the road or whatever, her husband read an article for something else that she wrote. And he's like, this is really good. Like, this is really good. You need to get this published and encouraged her and gave her the courage to actually like access more of the potential that she had and encourage her to submit her article to other places. And then it got posted all over the place. And then she became like a regular, a person that regularly had articles published and it made her 
really, really happy. And it was this great sense of fulfillment for her. So like providing those expressing words of encouragement, giving your partner the courage to go after their dreams, go after the things that they want, attain their goals um, can be a really great form of words of affirmation. Um, and then there's two more that I want to talk about for words of affirmation. Another one is just using kind words in general. And it's not just the words themselves. It's also your tone of voice. You can, you can say something constructive in, you know, something that you don't like about what's going on. You can say something constructive, but in a kind way so that you can still fill your partner's um, love tank is the way that the book refers to it. Like making your, making sure your partner feels loved, filling their love tank um, so that they, they feel the love and they feel fulfilled in their relationship. If you use something, some kind of constructive statement, but you word it in a way that is kind um, and not criticizing, um, if you word it in a way that's not harmful or hurtful or condemning, you can still bring it up and your partner can still see that as words of affirmation and interpret that as love of, oh, I see that you have a problem with this thing and you're coming to me in a really honest and open and vulnerable way. And I don't feel defensive about it. I'm so glad that you're willing to be vulnerable with me about this thing. Let's talk it out. Right. So like depending on how you present those types of things, they can still be interpreted as words of affirmation, even if they aren't positive, happy things. OK, the last one is humble words. Um, and so using humble words uh, around words of affirmation talks about avoiding making demands of your partner, but instead making requests. Um, and this gives your partner the opportunity to show you love by fulfilling those requests. Right. If you make it a demand, then if they fulfill that that demand, it's just a they just did it out of obligation, not necessarily because they love you, but because they feel like they were forced or obligated to. But if you give them a request and they choose, they actively choose to fulfill this request, that's a way that they can show that they they love you, that they care for you. I did this not because it's important to me, but because it's important to you. So when you request that with humble words, that's another way to incorporate words of affirmation into your love life. Steven, I see that you have a question for me. Well, I was going to say like Kimberly will get really pissed off if I'm like, hey, I need you to like do this. Okay. She'll be like, like, you don't get to order me around. Like she didldn't say that. Okay. But that is like what picks up and she'll be like, like basically like, no, and I'll get real attitude. Okay. And then if we talk about it later, she'll be like, well, I felt like you were bossing me around. So the same thing that if I, like you're saying, if I say it in a nice way of like, hey, would you mind, you know, cleaning the uh, jelly up off the counter? You know, because that's something that happens in our house a lot. And, you know, if you say it nicely, then then uh, Kimberly's like, okay, yes, I'll go get it and I'll take care of it. Uh, but if you, if, if you don't, if I just say like, get the jelly off the counter or whatever, so like you, I'll get resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's definitely a way that you can, that you can make requests of your partner that, that make them feel appreciated or give them an opportunity to say, yes, I love you. Of course I'll do this for you. I'm so happy to clean the jelly off of the counter, Stephen. <laughs> Does that happen in your house too? Like, just <laughs> I will say, go ahead, Kimberly. Um, well, it's kind of changing the topic, but I think it fits in in that Steve has this thing where, you know, you shouldn't do something that you don't want to do. So you shouldn't pressure somebody else to do something they don't want to do. But who really wants to clean up jelly off the counter? Yeah, and I do because I like cleaning and stuff. But like most people are like, see, I would say that's Kimberly's the one who put the jelly there. So it's like, come on, you have to clean. Oh, right. It. Well, I'm not talking about the jelly necessarily, no. but yeah, yeah, doing all that. Right, right. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. Yeah, um, I will say in in my case, my partner will 
clean the house with me if I ask him to. And that's pretty much the only scenario where that happens. And that's okay. Like, I'm fine with that. Um, so like was it yesterday or the day, I think it was yesterday we were doing some chores around the apartment and I said like, Hey, can you go and wipe down like the mirrors and the counters and the sinks in the bathrooms? And he said, sure, no problem. And then he did a really half-assed job at it and he didn't notice that he did. And so I called him out on it later. And like once upon a time, it would have been like, dude, there's still like a ton of splotches and stuff on the, like, did you actually wipe the mirrors down? Like that used to be what I would, my reaction to that. And and I've learned a few things since then. And so when that <laughs> happened yesterday, when the same thing happened yesterday, I said, hey, babe, so did you already do this thing? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, do you mind if I show you how I would normally do that just to make sure that we cover all of the, the splotches and that there aren't any streaks or anything? Um, and he was totally open to it. And it didn't trigger like any kind of controversy or like defensiveness or criticism. It was just a thing that we went and we hashed out, right? So I think the way that you word things in, in ways that are more humble can have a, like a really strong effect on how it impacts your relationship. It can either take away, it can create issues in your relationship, or it can also strengthen them. It can, it can like create a bonding experience even. Mm-hmm. And then to add on the other side of that, if you chose to not address it at all and you were just silent, then that resentment's going to eventually build up and you're going to feel like you have to do it because only you can do it the right way. I'm speaking from no personal experience here, obviously. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's just good, like what you said, just to kind of kindly address it and explain why it's important for you to, for it to be clean that way. And yeah. Yeah. That works best. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some ways that you can work on this particular love language if it's not your two cents, but it is your partner's two cents. Uh, I'm just going to take a couple of examples straight out of the book. A lot of the examples that I have today are going to be out of the book because it's all fresh in my mind. Um, But I'd love to hear if you all have other thoughts about ways that people can like work on improving their language of words of affirmation. Um, The ones that I wanted to highlight, the first thing that you could try is just make a list of all the things that you appreciate about your partner. And like add to that list, like use it as kind of like a diary words of affirmation for for your partner, right? So like add to it in the coming days or weeks, all the different things that you appreciate about them. And then make sure you share some of those with them from time to time, whether that's a daily basis or a few a week or or whatever, like make sure that you're being intentional about thinking like, what do I appreciate about this person? And have I told it, told that to them recently? Um, And then another one, I'll just share one other. Uh, I really like this idea. Keep a notebook where you write down words of affirmation from others that you hear. So like whether you hear something that like your friend says or a family member or something you hear on a TV show or a movie or something like that, you're like, oh, that was totally words of affirmation. I'm going to write that down. I really like that. And then later on down the road, you'll have this book of stuff and you can read through it and say like, oh, this, this really resonates with me. This one totally applies to my partner. Let me put this in my own words and use this with them, you know, next time I see them. Um, I really like the idea of that one because I personally struggle a lot with words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. Do y'all have any thoughts about ways that that folks can work on improving this particular love language? Well, the the what I do a lot of times is is I try to pay attention to myself. Okay, so if it's um, if I'm trying to communicate like why I why I'm going to say Kimberly impressed me with something or why I really like her or love her, I just try to figure out like what you know what am I feeling why why did she, is she impressive? What did she do that was really cool today? And that, that just gives me, at least me, it gives me the material of what to say. Um, when, and I think I mentioned this, like I, when the kids were younger, I don't do it as much anymore, but when they were younger and maybe putting them to bed, I would always try to tell them like what they did that was so cool that day, you know? And, um, 
that just gets you like in the habit of being aware and being conscious of, Hey, my kids did these really cool things, like honestly cool things. So it's in some ways, I'm going to say it's a, it's a way of just talking honestly to other people about what you're noticing in them. And so just noticing, I guess, is the technique I would say, just notice what is cool about the person. What do you like about, you know, the way they dress, the way they act, the things they do. And if you just notice those things, then I think you will have your material that you can then use to kind of give compliments and tell them why they're important. I love that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think one of the, the human needs that Dr. Chapman brings up in the book was validation. I mentioned that earlier. Um, and I think that what you're saying right now, Stephen, ties into that a lot of, like you noticed something that was awesome about this person. So when you say, Hey, you're so awesome. You're actually giving a specific example of like, I know you're just going along your life, living and, and doing your own thing, but like, you're awesome. And I see you. And here's why, like, I have proof that you are awesome and you are significant. Mm-hmm. And you matter. And just really just validating the the beauty of who another human being is. Yeah. Yeah. And real fast, just to say you're awesome doesn't have a lot of weight to it. But when you say you're awesome and you give the examples, that has a lot of weight. Then it's totally believable and person knows. So yeah, always add the extra. Yeah, here's the proof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, let's move on to the next um, love language, which is quality time. Um, this one, I don't know that I would consider this one to be my primary, but it's definitely important to me. Um, quality time is basically undiluted attention to your partner, um, while you're spending time together. So that's not like you're both sitting in the same room, texting on your phones or watching TV, idly making small talk, right? It's like actually sitting down and making eye contact and giving them your undivided attention and vice versa, um, and really connecting with them and spending time with them. Um, and so there's a few different examples that they bring up in the book about this. There is uh, quality conversation is the first one. And that whole concept is around listening to understand rather than listening to respond. Um, I think the book itself says that most people figure out what they're going to say in response to another person within 17 seconds, like before you even finish whatever it is that you have to say, the other person knows what they're going to say next, right? And we've kind of been been trained to do that. And it's so much more valuable when you listen to understand and to acknowledge or to validate what the other human being is experiencing, what they're going through and connect to them emotionally that way. And that is kind of an overarching theme that I brought up in several episodes now of just like, whatever it is that they want to share with you, like whether that's in conflict or just an everyday conversation, here's how my day went, listen to understand what they're going through and acknowledge their experience, acknowledge their feelings around it. Like, oh, sounds like you had a really shit day. I'm so sorry. Like, what can I do to help? Right. Um, And so like a good example of like how to practice this would just be to intentionally set, say, I don't know, 20 minutes aside every day, turn off the TV, set the phones aside, make eye contact with your partner and listen to them talk about the day um, or listen to them talk about something that they're passionate about or whatever it is that's on their mind and really just wrap your head around exactly what they're saying, dive into their world, put yourself in their shoes and really try to feel what they're feeling so that you can connect with them emotionally in that regard. Um, so that's one style of quality time. The other style is basically the the complete opposite of that, which is learning to talk. Um, so taking time to develop your own self-awareness of your own emotions. Um, so be able to self-identify, like, what am I feeling throughout the day? And then share those things with your partner so that they can connect with what you're feeling, right? Like, it's the exact opposite. And so many of us, when we're raised, are taught not to 
not to share when we're angry about something, right? Like if you tell your parents you're mad about something that happened and they say, you need to set this aside, like this isn't appropriate. They like disapprove of it and they condemn you for expressing this strong feeling. Eventually you learn to just not bring it up in the first place. Don't make waves, right? And just, you know, shove all those emotions down and ignore them, stick them in a closet somewhere and, you know, they never see the light of day. And so a lot of people go through life kind of with this disconnect with their own emotions, this lack of self-awareness with their own emotions. And that can create a big blocker when you're in a relationship with another human being and they want to know you, they want to connect with you, they want to share your life experiences. So if you're not aware of those things for yourself, then you're not going to be able to verbalize them. And you're not going to be able to have that quality conversation with your partner in a way that they want to connect and learn from you. Um, okay. And then the third one in regards to quality time is quality activities. And I think this is the most obvious one for many of us, the concept of like finding activities that you can do together, uh, make sure that it's something that at least one of you are interested in, right? Like if you both hate bowling, don't go bowling. Um, but if you're both into hiking or if, you know, one of you are into hiking, like go ahead and do that. Um, I, I would, this is, this is totally my opinion. Like watching a movie together doesn't count as quality time, like a shared activity um, because you're not really engaging with the other person, right? It's the idea of like, I'm going to do an activity that at least one of us enjoy and I'm going to connect with you during that activity. Um, and maybe talking about the movie afterward might be connecting with them, but the actual act of watching a movie, like there's no connection there. You're connecting with the TV, not your partner. My two cents. Um... What do you guys, what comes to mind for you guys when you think of quality time? What does that mean for y'all? I think for me, it's what you were talking about in the beginning, Ava, when it's like shared, uh, sharing your experience, sharing your experiences in the day and how you're feeling about those things. So like, for example, we always sit down, um, kids or no kids and have like a sit down dinner at the table and talk about our day like every single night. That's nice. That's how prim and proper we are. <laughs> it is more casual when it's like just the two of us. It is more casual, but yeah, actually, it, we it's really nice. I mean, the kids are actually excited when we do that. They, you know, Theo comes over. He'll change his plans and come over to hang out with us. I'm like, okay, that's pretty nice. That's so nice. That was not the experience in my household growing up. That was something that my parents did every night at the dinner table. It was what was something good about your day and what was something bad about your day. And I would, I roll so hard as a teenager doing that growing up. I'm like, do I really have to tell you? Really? I, I did not like participating in those conversations growing up. Mm -hmm. Well, my kids, you do have to, to get them to talk, you have to prep them a little bit. You have to, you, and you have to talk about something they care about. It can't be mm -hmm. like, if it's a topic they do not care about, like that's not going to go, that's not going to go anywhere, but you get them on, I don't know, video games or something like that. And it's like, they will talk your ear off and then, you know. Cause that's something that they're passionate about. And right. right. That's awesome. And even when you don't necessarily love the, say the video game itself or something like that, you would, you do usually appreciate the passion that they have for it. You know, that you get something out that way. Totally. I love that. Do y'all have any thoughts on how folks can work on improving this love language quality time? If it's something that they really just don't need and don't mm -hmm. understand, but their partner does. Just making the time. I think putting together like a structured time. So like every day at a certain time, we're going to sit down for however long and talk. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, that uh, you know, that makes sense. Okay. In a lot of ways, but I do want to say this. Okay. That 
I have been in situations where uh, that has been proposed, you know, and it's like, it can be like Ava, like it can be painful when your heart is not in it. When it's like, mm-hmm. like we have to schedule time and now it has to be 20 minutes that we have to be here. So if it ends up, the, the flip side of that, Kimberly, is if it ends up being like too structured or whatever, then it feels, uh, it doesn't feel good. It feels, can what do you want to say? Constricting and all that kind of stuff. So I would say just do it with a grain of salt. As long as both people are cool with that and want to do it, great. But if your partner doesn't want to, do not be like, I'm going to rope you into this conversation. Well, we're going to save this goddamn marriage. I, and we're going to sit here <laughs> 20 minutes and talk. Like, that's that is. Oh, like, that's never happened to you, apparently. I know. Oh, not speaking oh. from personal experience at all. <laughs> right. That's what I'm talking about when I was talking about like, don't make your partner do things they don't want to do, even if you think it's for the sake of their relationship. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So yeah, I think if both people are are into it, scheduling the time like that, you know, is, is great. And we kind of do that all, you know, we'll have coffee in the morning together. We'll sit down and things like that. Um, but I don't know, I could see myself where if it's too rigid, it would get on my nerves. Well, I think that comes down to like the art of negotiation, right? Within any relationship, there's a certain level of negotiation. What's going to work? What's a solution that'll work for all of us? And just agreeing on what that is and just remembering to maybe stay flexible. Like if someone's really not having it that day, skip that day. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. okay. We can be flexible, right? Um, Some examples that I wanted to bring to the table. Ask your partner for a list of five activities that they would enjoy doing with you. Just like what, yeah, like what, what are some of those things? And then like, just make a plan, like do one of those every month or every week, you know, depending on how like substantial the activities are, right? You're saying uh, these and Brandy's over there, like taking notes, like, oh yeah, that's good. I'm adding that to my list. Yeah. Um, you could also think of an activity that your partner loves, but you maybe don't care about so much. You're more neutral about like if your partner is super into NASCAR or gardening or whatever, like ask them if, you know, maybe not on a regular basis, but Hey, maybe like next time you're doing this, like, do you mind if I come along literally not because you're interested in NASCAR, but because you want to, you want to connect with them with something that they're interested in or they're passionate about. And you want to share a little bit of that space with them. Nothing wrong with that. All right, let's move it right along. So we have talked about uh, quality time and words of affirmation so far. We are going to talk about receiving gifts next. And this one, this one is really interesting to me because I would say in my younger years, like as a, as a teenager and even early 20s, gift giving was probably was almost definitely my primary love language. And after a while, I kind of looked at it like, I don't, that doesn't make me feel good. Like, I feel like I'm a, a material materialistic human being and I don't, I don't want to be right. So I kind of veered away from that. And I like actively tried to drive myself away from those habits for a really long time. Um, and honestly, after reading this book, I, it's turned around on me and I feel, I feel a little bit differently about the act of receiving and giving gifts as a love language. Um, giving gifts is essentially a, a symbol of love. Like material items can be a statement of our love, uh, for another human being. And a really, really obvious, uh, example of that, that they bring up in the book is wedding rings, right? Wedding rings are a public statement for your love and your commitment that you feel inside for another human being. That's a, it's a statement to the world. Like, I love this person. This is something that we share just between the two of us, right? And if you think about it, not everybody chooses to wear a wedding ring or a wedding band. Some people don't have them at all. Some people, you know, the, the day that they get married, that ring never comes off. Some people, they, they take it off for certain occasions or to like wash the dishes or whatever, right? Um, and so it just, it varies. And I think that's a really strong indicator of, 
you know, how valuable is this love language for that person um, based on, you know, how important is something like a wedding ring to them or something of similar um, significance. Um, one thing that I do want to say about gift giving is that it doesn't need to be expensive. It doesn't need to drain your wallet. Um, you don't have to give gifts that cost money. You can give free gifts. A uh, really fun example that they brought up in the book was, you know, if you're out on a walk and you find like a smooth rock or pebble um, and you pick it up and you bring it back home and you you give it to your partner and you could say that that's a symbol of the the rough patches that have been polished smooth along the way as you work through them with your partner over the years. Like that's a really like thoughtful, symbolic opportunity that I would never have thought of on my own. <laughs> Or like there's an example of like if you find a really pretty feather walking on the beach, like that could be a gift to your partner as a symbol of them being the wind beneath your wings. Another example that they brought from the book that I never would have thought of myself. Um, but there are like other things like you could you could buy a card to say I love you to your partner or you could just make one. Right. I mean, find some paper in the trash and just write I love you on it and some like hearts and, and stars or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be expensive. And Kimberly is giving me a really interesting facial expression right now. Oh. <laughs> Steve, for like, I don't even know how long, maybe the first year or two that we lived together. How long have we lived together now? Anyway, year or two, I would say, he wrote me a note like almost every single day oh. about how he loved me. And I like stuck them on, on I, I just post-it notes. Mm. I have them like stuck everywhere. Oh, it's really sweet. Yeah, so, well, they're like, embarrassing because the plumber comes over and then there's like this wall of <laughs> post-it notes. That's not embarrassing. Yes, unless 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 they're they're unless you refer to her as certain words that you would normally only use in the bedroom, which he does. No, <laughs> so, so the, no, not the dirty words. <laughs> I don't know. I like that on there. So my, my question then is, is that considered uh, gift giving or is that considered words of affirmation? Both. It's both. It's both. Good answer. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one that I wanted to bring up in regards to gift giving is one that I was kind of unexpected to read about. The wait, gift wait, wait, wait. Do I get double points then? Like that's, I'd have to, I can do less later because I've gotten twice as many. Oh, I got two for one. Yeah. You're going to have to ask your wife about that one, Stephen. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the gift of presence. And at first I was like the gift of presence. Like, of course I'm going to be present in the relationship. It's my partner. I love them. I'm going to be there. Right. <laughs> but like, then they talk about examples of, um, he told a story about this couple that he, he worked with a while back. Uh, they were married they were having a baby. The husband was there for the birth of the baby. And then right after he left to go play softball. And she was like, how could he just leave? We just had a baby. This is so important. And then she gave another example of when it was her mother or her, somebody important to her passed away and they went to the funeral. And then right after the funeral, that same day, he went to play softball. And she's like, he can't, how could he possibly love me if he's not willing to be present in my life through these really like important events, either really amazing, magical, important events, or these really hard, tragic, difficult events in our lives. Um, and it was interesting because the husband's sort of um, perspective was, you know, I was so excited to go and tell my teammates on my softball team about my son and show him the pictures. Like I was really looking forward to that. 
And then at the funeral, it's, you know, I was with her the whole week. Her mom was suffering. Like there was a lot of grief going on and I was very supportive and I was there the whole time. And I felt like after the funeral was over, it was my turn to take a break for myself because there was nothing else that I could do at that point. And softball was the thing that he was going to do to replenish himself. Right. So like he was, the husband was making decisions based on, on his own logic that seemed super logical. And, and the wife's interpretation was, I needed your, I needed you to be there for me in these moments and you weren't right. And so thinking through like if words of, uh, excuse me, if gift giving is something that's really important to your partner, it may not be a material thing. It may also be a just being present, just being there, even if there's nothing that you can do about a situation, just being there for them in those really important moments. You know, I'd want to kind of stress that, you know, because the gift giving, if it's monetary, that not everybody's got a ton of money, you know, but it's sort of the easier thing that everybody can do is like those, the thoughtfulness type gifts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and even, even around that, I would say like, mm -hmm. Yes, it doesn't have to be monetary, but it can be a physical thing without being monetary too, right? Or it can be really, really um, cheap or easy to make from like a financial perspective. Like you can make something homemade. Like a polish or a polished stone. Yeah, absolutely. Aww. Okay, um, let me see here. I keep spending way more time telling these stories. Than I dinner. Need. It could be dinner. It could totally be dinner. Yeah. That I would say that is one of the things I do. I do like, like for the whole family, like I like the cooking because I feel like that is not just, it's not just like giving the food, but it's like you're creating an event. That's but is that more acts of service? It's both. I get oh. double points, double points. I want to stress specifically around gift giving. Like this is something that I have always taken a little bit for granted because I felt like the, the whole monetary aspect was like a requirement and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. Um, and the chapter that Dr. Chapman has on this, he tells a, a really, really amazing story of how a couple really turned their relationship around. Like I, I literally was crying reading this chapter earlier today because it was so touching. So like, if you haven't read the book, it's only like 200 pages. And this particular chapter was so emotional for me. Like, please go and read it. It's, it, it really signifies how gift giving doesn't have to be a monetary thing, but it can be very, very important um, for your partner to acknowledge, hey, you were out and about throughout your day and you brought something home to me because you thought of me, that I was important enough that you thought of me and you brought this thing back for me. Whether that's, you know, a pebble that you find on a walk out in nature or um, a, you know, bouquet of roses or just bringing pizza home so she doesn't have to cook, right? Like, Whatever that is, you thought of me is what that gift is saying. Um, okay, really quick, talking about ways to work on gift giving, a couple of the suggestions that they make in the book, um, a gift idea notebook. So again, with the lists, Brandy and I, I think are both very much list people. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. if you have your partner comments on something that they like, uh, something like material, write it down in a notebook. That way, when it's time for you, like if you want to go and gift them something, mm -hmm. you literally have like this whole like list of stuff that you can get from um, based on the, the scenario. And then the other recommendation was try a parade of gifts. Like if you're just working on adopting this as a love language and you want to get more comfortable with doing it, try a parade of gifts. That could be like one gift in the morning and then one in the afternoon and then one in the evening. Or, or you could scale it back. You could say one gift every day for a week or one every week for three months or something like that. And again, they don't have to be expensive things. Um, they don't have to cost anything at all. They could just be the gift of your presence, right? So like there are a lot of ways that you can make that happen. And if your partner asks like, what, what is going on with you? Why are you giving me all this stuff all of a sudden? You just say, you know, I'm, I'm feeling your love tank, baby. That's all I'm doing, you know? 
<laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's move on and talk about the next one. We will talk about acts of service. Um, let me kick this one off with a question. Like, what does acts of service mean for all of you? Just doing something for the other person that you know is something they care about, like, want, will appreciate. Will help them out. Just do the stuff. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like just doing something for your loved Low one. jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's that's but like service. <laughs> and quality time. <laughs> and touch. And yes. touch. Oh man, can we make sex? Double points, double points. This is so easy. These love languages are so easy. My score is like really high. That's how it works, That's not how it works. Okay, so yeah, we've got some really great examples already so far. So like doing chores around the house, taking care of dinner. Um, it could be like dealing with like calling a financial person or the cable company if they like messed up and you don't want to have to deal with calling customer service and your partner does it for you like that's totally an active service um ways to work on it if this is something that you just doesn't compute to you or doesn't mean much to you but clearly means something to your partner um the first thing that i want to say is like there are many different dialects when it comes to acts of service as a love language right like it could be um, oh, I was going to bring this up later, but I think it fits here now. My, this is probably my my primary love language. And for me, um, you know, if you are going to do the dishes after dinner, I'm like, I appreciate that. That's super nice. I love not having to do the dishes. That's a pain in the ass. However, I love cooking for people and I love when people feed me. So like if you're going to cook me dinner, that just absolutely rocks my socks off. Like I love it. Um, the, the person that I mentioned that I, I hooked up with recently and then had a threesome with his girlfriend later, when I initially met him, like that first date, he cooked me dinner and I was so impressed. I'm like, this never happens. And it was so good. Y'all of a That particular dialect of acts of service cooking, like that one's really important to me, but like cleaning is like, yeah, it's important, but not as important as feeding me. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so yeah, just kind of acknowledging there are different dialects and just pay attention. That applies to, I think, all the different love languages. I think it's just really obvious in acts of service because there's so many, so many different ways that, that you can do an act of service for someone and not all acts of service are created equally. Um, the next one I want to mention is just to let go of stereotypes, um, like role stereotypes, like, you know, the wife cooks and cleans and the husband pays bills and mows the lawn. Like that's, that's not, I think all of us acknowledge, like that is definitely not a rule. That's not even a guideline today, probably. Um, but a lot of us model um, the the roles that, that our parents modeled, right? And so even like subconsciously, we may not be aware of it, like whatever it was like for our parents growing up, as far as like acts of service goes, we may like subconsciously be adopting those same things without thinking about it. But the thing is, is that whatever that looked like for you with your parents in your household, that's probably would have been a little bit different for your partner and their parents in their household growing up, right? So let go of those stereotypes and talk with your partner about what help from you would mean the most to them, what's gonna be the most valuable for them. So set the stereotypes aside and just talk about it. Um, and then the next one that I wanted to talk about uh, as far as like ways to work on it is just to acknowledge that if your partner is nagging you to do something or kind of criticizing you about doing something, like leaving streaks and spots on the mirror when you ask them to clean the mirror. Um, hypothetically speaking. Right. Yeah. Hypothetically speaking. Yeah. Um, really, this is your partner's sort of 
desperate way, not quite efficient way of saying that their love tank is low. This would be really valuable to me if you would do this. And sometimes if that comes off as nagging or criticizing, that's us asking for what we need, asking for, for you to fill our love tank in maybe not the healthiest or most efficient way. But at the end of the day, that's all that we're trying to accomplish. So acknowledging that like, oh, this maybe isn't coming off in a way that's super nice, but essentially this is what they're saying that they need. They, they're saying that their love tank is low. Then you can acknowledge that, tell them not to criticize you and then be like, I love you. I'm going to go take care of this for you anyway. I know it's important to you. Hmm. So there's that. Um, any thoughts about acts of service before we move on to talk about physical touch? I just want to say that I'm in that same category as you is I actually just took the quiz again, right before we started this, um, episode or podcast and I'm acts of service. So I identify highly with that. I see you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, all right. So let's talk about the last one here. Physical touch. What is physical touch? Uh, any form of physical touch with your partner. Anybody want to throw out some examples of what physical touch Boy, means to them? Also. Massage, right? What? Sorry. Both massage, right? Oh, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Those are all definitely holding their hand, like when you're walking around outside. Thank you, Brandy. I appreciate it. Yes, I tried to bring it back down. I'm like, okay. Sitting together while you watch a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Even though the movie doesn't count as quality time, it was already good. It's experience. It's experience. (laughs) If you hold the hand, if you hold it, you can hold their hand. Makes it a little bit more. Stretch, put your arm around their shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Sexual activity, cuddles, hand you holding. You watch the movie naked. But anyway, I'm sorry. You okay. should watch the movie naked. Yeah, right. <laughs> it helps. I prefer, I prefer to watch my movies in sexy lingerie, okay? Can we Doesn't do the five? Be- I'm oh sorry. Can we do the five dirty love languages? Yeah. I'm just can kidding. We, I made that up, but we, we need can, to do that later. We need to make a hundred page book. We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so we, I think we're all pretty clear about what physical touch means. To <laughs> but, um, if this is something that you don't identify with, if it is just not your jam, it's not that important to you, but apparently it's really important to your partner and you don't understand why, but you see that it's important. What are some things that you can do to work on that? Um, there's a couple of really obvious examples that I want to share. And then one that I, I really liked um, specifically, again, these are all out of the book. So the first one is to I I think Brandy said it already, intentionally choose to hold their hand in public. Even if you're just like holding their hand, walking through a parking lot to the car, leaving the grocery store or something like that, right? Like just hold their hand. Um, Intentionally hugging, like at least once a day, maybe like when they come home from work or whatever, right? Not that any of us are coming home from work right now because we're working from home um, or I am anyway, like I know not everybody is. and then the, the example that I wanted to give that like kind of stuck with me was like, if you're around friends or family, uh, if you're in a social situation, touch your partner in some casual way, um, such as putting your arm around them or just touching their arm in passing as a way to just say like, even with the, these people all around us, even with all this commotion around us, I still see you. Like you are important to me and I still see you and I'm so glad that you're here with me. Um, that one, that one really rung out to me. That's something that I find really meaningful as, as a human being that has a lot of social anxiety, that kind of physical touch and support from my partner is huge. Like that's a big deal. So I really wanted to share that one. 
Um, do y'all have any other thoughts or suggestions on how people can work on physical touch if it's just not their jam? Um, well, I will speak from my personal experience when I was younger and gay and dating females in um, a part of the world that wasn't accepting of it, that, you know, I really got used to not showing physical affection. So it's actually been me reteaching myself in the past several years. I mean, we're talking like five, six, seven years, um, how to um, reprogram that and be okay with it because it started when I was like right out of high school. So it was such an early time when you're exploring. And then for me not to feel comfortable doing that, I've, it's took some real effort for me to actually be okay with physical touch in public. But yeah, so if you're struggling for whatever reason, just a little bit at a time is great. Yeah, I think if you had one par one partner, like I'm going to use Kimberly's example, I don't think she could be with somebody who was not able to give the touch. So if she was combined with somebody who had uh, just didn't feel comfortable with that, you know, like Brandy, you give a good example of, of a reason why, you know, so people were just mm -hmm. brought up in families like you just don't do a lot of physical touch. OK, mm -hmm. so if Kimberly was with that person, it would not I don't think it would work out, to be honest, because they would have a hard time kind of connecting with her, you know, right. and I, I suspect Kimberly would end up feeling kind of isolated about it. And so the, I would, maybe this isn't right, but I would say like the person needs to learn how to touch, you know, if you're in a, mm -hmm. if you're in, if the other person doesn't care about touch so much, that's fine. You know, but if they, if they do, I think, I, I think, uh, you need to learn how to, how to work on that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying is the five love languages are real, Stephen. Oh. <laughs> oh, I bet that felt good, Kimberly. Yeah. <laughs> there? That well, I think. Satisfying. Yeah. No, but I, well, and I'm not like I say, I'm not exactly sure, but I, it feels kind of wrong for me to be like this person needs to step up to the plate and do this. Like usually that's not an answer, okay? But I kind of feel like in this particular case. Um, like it may be because the person, what am I going to do? Kimberly, you just need to get over it. Nobody's going to touch you ever get over it. That's you're not going to get over it. You know, wow. like that's, I don't see that working, so, but the other person is like, you need to touch, you need to touch her. That I think is something that is easier to work on, you know, to, yeah. to, to get better. And yeah, I mean, I know it can be hard for some people, but I think it's, that is probably one of the things that's important to, to practice. And it may be the hardest out of all these that we've covered. That may be one of the hardest. Yeah. I, I would also say that like this again, comes down to the art of negotiation, right? Because there are different dialects, like I said, in all the different love languages. Like, so maybe in Kimberly's case, it has a lot to do with cuddling, but maybe handholding isn't so important or vice versa. Right. So talk about like, what are the things that are most valuable? And if you're the person that's really struggling with this particular love language with physical touch, like maybe just pick one of the things, whichever one is most important to your partner or whichever one you are most comfortable with. And just like set a set a practice of that, like commit to, to doing the thing once a day or three times a week or whatever it is um, for whatever the particular physical touch is that your partner needs that you feel you're able to provide. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So those are the five love languages. Um, I, I always end up spending way more time talking about the stuff that I mean to y'all. And I'm so sorry for that. I want to talk about just, uh, one or two more things here. And the next is just for anyone that doesn't know what their love language is, like, how do you identify it? There's a couple of different ways to do it. I think some of these were mentioned already. You can, um, take the quiz. I think Brandy mentioned the quiz already. There is a website. We're going to have a link on the description for this episode with the website that will take you to an online quiz that you can take. That'll tell you what your love language is. 
Um, you could also read the book as I did. Like I said, it's only like 200 pages. I read it in a day. It's a pretty short read. Um, and you can just do some self-reflection, right? Like you might be introduced to these concepts and know right away, oh, this is definitely my love language, right? Or maybe after taking the quiz or reading the book, you'd be like, okay, like I know a little bit more. I think I can figure this out. But for folks that are like, ah, oh, these just don't make sense to me, or I just don't know, or these are all like equally important. I, I'll say right now, I took the quiz recently and I scored like 35% on my top one and 30% on another and then 20%. Like it was pretty even for me. I didn't have any that were super, super strong. Um, and I would, I would probably agree with that. Like all of these various love languages are important to me for different reasons at different times. Um, and I would say that like once upon a time, it was definitely gift giving. And once upon a time, it was definitely physical touch. And those things are still important. But for me, acts of service is the one that's really taking the forefront for me right now, which is what the, is exactly what the, the quiz told me. Um, but aside from those things, if you, if you try all those resources and that's not working for you, there's a couple of suggestions that Dr. Chapman makes in the book. The first is ask yourself, what does your partner do or not do that hurts you the most? Because the opposite of that is probably your love language. If they are like super, super involved in their job and they have very, very little time to spend with you and that's hurtful to you because you're not getting any of that, quality time is probably your primary love language. Um, the next one is sort of the opposite of that. Like ask, what, what do you ask your partner for most frequently? What do you find yourself asking for most regularly? That's probably the love language that's most important to you whether that's, you know, doing the dishes or making time for a date night or whatever, whatever that might be. Blowjobs. Right, blowjobs. <laughs> um, and then what is the last one that he suggests is what is the way that you most commonly express your love to your partner? If you are constantly doing <laughs> for them, that's probably a good sign that that's what your primary love language is. Um, let me see here. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about is how real our love language is. What if I don't strongly identify with any one of these, which I feel like I talked about a little bit already. Um, like my quiz didn't show me that I was strongly for any one particular category, um, which is fine. Like we are, again, we are complicated human beings. We don't all fit into just one personality type. We do not all fit into just one Hogwarts house, except I do. I'm totally a Hufflepuff in case anybody wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. We're complicated, you know, human beings. We are onions. We have lots of layers and that is totally okay. You may need to work on like a combination of these for your partner or your partner may need to work on a combination of these things for you, right? Like there, there could be lots of layers and lots of work to be done. I think that's part of the art of love. When you are out of that in love experience and, and in that post uh, new relationship energy world, love is, it is both a feeling and an act right? And, and the act of love will generate more of the feeling of love. So by learning these love languages, you can learn what behaviors you need to adopt to provide those acts of love to your partner. So you can choose the act, the verb of loving them every single day for the rest of your life. And that is going to help create that feeling of love in them. And hopefully they will reciprocate that and choose the act of loving you in a way that matches your love language. And that's all I have to say. Good job. Can I share that? Okay. This is, if you're good with this, let me share some of the stuff that I, I found. Like I had my, yeah. my skepticism. Okay. Let's do it. Um, I'm trying to think of exactly where I want to start. Um, so let me say it this way. One of the things, self-help stuff. I, I like self-help books and, and 
podcasts and all that kind of stuff a lot. However, I'm also aware that a lot of it, I'm going to say a lot of it, 50% of it is a bunch of talk fluff. It's nice. Oh, it sounds really good, but it doesn't like actually do much for you, you know, or it doesn't really impact you that. So I'm going to say with doing this podcast and the whole ethical seduction thing, like in the back of my mind is like, I do not want to fall in that category. I do not want to do a bunch of talk that makes people feel good. And it's really nice, but it doesn't actually have substance to it. It doesn't have weight and it's not, it, there's not much behind it. Okay. So I think coming into this, that's where I was is like, where I'm going like, Hey, the five love languages, is it stuff that sounds really nice, but doesn't really have too much to it? Or is there something to it? And to be honest, I didn't really know, know the answer came. And then, like I said, I had the, the other science podcast I listened to and they implied like, you know, that there was something that's not quite right. So I went through and I tried to kind of do a little bit of research to see what I could find on that, you know, to know, like, is it, I don't want to say disproven, but like, what were, what were they, what were they referring to? Like on that, on the other podcast. Okay. So one of the things that, uh, I found that I thought was really interesting was that Gary Chapman, when he first came up with the, the five love languages book that he did it for his church congregation. And I don't know when this was written, if it was 20 years ago or whatever, but some time has passed and pop culture has taken his meanings and altered them from what he originally meant. So for his church congregation, when he wrote it, it was sort of like, forget your love language. Who cares? learn what your partner's love language is and then speak to them in that love language. So he's trying to say like, listen to your partner, you know, communicate to them better. Pop culture came in and said like, oh, it's all about me. What is my love language? Hey, honey, my love language is touch. You know, this is what we should do. We should make it all about me. And um, so that's just different than say Gary Chapman's original sort of meaning. Now, when I read that, I started thinking like, I think the reality of of the situation, which like, you know, Gary Chapman, he does his thing back in the day. We have the, the benefit of time. You know, we can sit there and think about what he said and learn from it and experience it and criticize it. And that kind of, so I think now where I'm kind of on the whole thing is like, I think both peoples are important. You know, that you as an individual, what love language do you care about? How do you like to express your love? I think that's important. How do you, how does your partner like to receive love? That's important. I suspect that one is not more important than the other. You're trying to look for a good fit between the two. And, and that's, you know, so if you hate doing something, the other person loves it, you know, say like, like Kimberly, the touch, you know, if the other person hates giving touch, you know, there could be an issue there, but you're trying to find like, what is a good, what is a good fit? So I think both of them are important. I think it's a little different than Gary Chapman's original, um, goal or opinion of doing the whole thing. But I think that's where it would end up is that, you know, be aware of yours, be aware of your partners, find, find a good fit. Um, I did find an article from the Atlantic, and this is from Ashley Fetters of the Atlantic that I think gets into, you know, I I was trying to find out like how, again, how accurate, how realistic are these love languages? Um, and so Julie Gottman, she's a co-founder of the Gottman Institute, um, which is uh, John Gottman, I think is, yeah, John Gottman started this in 1996. I know his name. He's he's a very well-known um, person. Uh, anyway, Julie, his wife, they've been studying love and relationships and things. And uh, she had a, this is going to be paraphrased, but her response to the love languages, she says, 
Yeah, well, is it any wonder that paying attention to a partner's needs and wants and acting accordingly results in a better relationship? And I think that sums up where where I kind of feel about him is like you have the five love languages. Um, there there wasn't any kind of evidence that I could find that showed that uh, yeah, hey, if you do these things, it's going to help your relationship. That was one. That's where they were like, yeah, that's kind of really iffy. Some there's maybe something people say yes, yeah, some people say no, but there's not like a quote scientific consensus on you know disproving or proving these things. Okay, but then you know Julie Gottman comes along and says like, what you're really doing, what the love languages are really doing, is saying you're paying attention to your partner and you're working on communication. And so that part I think is where I told, like I, I like it from that standpoint. <clears throat> so I think it's like, you know, is this going to save your marriage? This is not necessarily going to save your marriage. I don't think there's any proof that it's going to save your marriage. However, this gets into like good communication. And that's what this is really, I think this is really practicing good communication skills. And if you practice good communication skills, I don't, you know, that should be a step in the right direction to helping things. Um, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt if you're practicing good communication skills. That's what we try to promote a lot, you know, on, on this, on this podcast. So I think just, but the idea of this is going to save my marriage. It, it's not necessarily, that's not going to do it. Like you've got to have more behind it. And so I think that's what I had heard previously is like, Oh, if you just do these five things that that's, that's the be all end all. And I don't, you know, I think that's where it's like, no, that's not, that's not it. So I think it just comes down to really working on communication skills. And I, and think I, would, I would add to that, Stephen, that like, that's all that these five love languages are, are different styles of communication, yeah. right? It's, it's just a subcategory to, to the overarching theme of working on your communication. Yeah. So yeah. were you, Ava, were you, and I know uh, Brandy and Kimberly, were you all really liked these I think that's, that, that it's like, great, then, you know, use them. And for me, where I kind of, I don't connect with them as much, to be honest, you know, but I do connect with like, well, I'm going to try to listen and communicate and pay attention and be aware and, you know, learn and, you know, and then try to, try to connect. That's how I would say it. So I think these are really helpful if, it, if, if, you know, the way they're worded out is connecting with you, then it's like, yeah, go, go for it. You know, use them as you can make, make them your own, get double points, <laughs> combine things. Whatever works for you, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much more that I want to say about the book, but like I could read about this thing for hours. So I'm, I'm good. If anybody wants chat with me about the book, please feel free to reach out, like comment on our social media or email us because I legit, like I could talk about this stuff for hours. Try me. All right. That wraps us up for today. Thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, next week, uh, Ava is going to help us with different relationship styles. There's several we want to discuss so you'll understand them and pull ideas from the way, the ones that you like. There's not like a one size fits all for relationship. And this is to help brainstorm and give people ideas. Uh, you can also check us out at ethicalseduction.com. Um, I have modified the website once again, as I do every time, you know, an update. I was updating it right before we were on the show. Um, one of the things that I added was the button for voicemails. So if you go to like the homepage, there's a button on there. You can hit that button and that leave us voicemail. So if you have a topic that you would like us to cover, if you have a question, something like that, you know, hit that button and, and leave us a message. And Stephen, if there's if there's anyone listening that 
like heard something that we talked about today, but we didn't touch very like in depth on. If you want us to dive deeper into any of the stuff that we're covering, I would love to hear it. Like, please reach out to us. Let us know. Leave us leave us a voicemail. I would really love to dive deeper into any part of the conversations from tonight or any other episode that people feel like they need they need more insight over. Please let us know what that is, or if there's anything we haven't talked about that you want to hear about. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Um, Subscribe to us if you like what you've heard tonight, and that way we pop right into your uh, podcast player. We drop an episode every Friday, and if you are so willing, we would love to get ratings and reviews from you all, too. That that helps us out a lot. Um, but that wraps us up for today. Next week, again, is Ava with uh, Relationship Styles, and that's going to be a interesting one, I think, that we cover. So thank you, everybody, and we will seduce you again next week. Bye. 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 Later.